All right, you can take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 2. When you get there, find verse 21. Friday night in our good service, Good Friday service, we talked about the death of Jesus. And then uh, this morning at 7 o'clock, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. So for now, and earlier we read from Luke chapter uh, 24 that the story from his account of Jesus' resurrection. So today, this morning, right now, I want to talk about what does it all mean? What does it mean for you and I today? What does it mean for people today who believe and don't believe? Uh, I believe that the Christian faith has a consequence for those who don't believe as well. So let's talk about that. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, Peter writes, he says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin and no deceit was, in, was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your, of your souls. Father, this morning. As we look at Peter's writings, we think about how he was one of the few who went there that, that morning, that Sunday morning, the Easter morning. That when he heard from the ladies who had been there first, that he ran to the tomb and went in and looked for you, and you weren't there. And he went away wondering about it all. Went away wondering and thinking. And Father, you restored him. You brought him back. And Lord, you do that for, for others as well. You've done that for me and for many in this room. And I just pray, Father, today that you would speak to each one of us, Lord. Maybe there's someone here today that you need to restore to that right relationship they need with you. The one that you created them for. And I just pray that that would take place. Pray that your spirit would work through your word and use me as well. That we would all go out of here strengthened in our faith, more encouraged as your followers and as your people. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. There are certain events in history that matter more than any other. The reason why they matter more is because they change the world in some way, in some powerful way. Let me just share a few of those important moments or events, events in history. The invention of the wheel in 3500 B.C., the beginning of the Greek civilization in 1600 B.C., the birth of Muhammad, the founder of Islam in A.D. 570. The invention of Gutenberg's printing press in A.D. 1455. The beginning of the Protestant Reformation that began in A.D. 1575. The American Revolution that began with the Declaration of Independence in 1976. Women giving the right to vote in 1920. Did you hear many amens, ladies? Yeah. The end of Second World War when the atomic bomb was dropped in on Japan in 1945, and the first computer that went on sale in AD 1977. Can you believe that the first computer actually went on sale that uh, far away? 1977 seems like a long ways away, doesn't it? Yeah. All of those events, all of those events, each and every one, and others as well, changed our world that we live in today. But they're all events that were basically guided and led by people. People did things. Things happened. And, and really, do you see God's hand behind some of those things or not? Well, the Resurrection Sunday is different. It, it is much different. It is by far the most important day of all of history. 
There is no more important day than Resurrection Sunday. It's more important than Christmas, kids. I'm sorry to hear that, I'm sure. But it's more important than Christmas. If the resurrection had never happened, Christmas would be meaningless. We wouldn't even be celebrating Christmas. People have wrestled over the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection for centuries. Why did he have to die? What does his resurrection really truly mean? What did it all accomplish? Does it make sense? These are all theological questions. They're doctrinal questions. They're philosophical questions. But their answers have eternal consequences for just average folks like you and me. Paul, the Apostle Paul, lived for himself for a long, long time. He wanted to live his life his way. And then he met Jesus Christ resurrected, and he realized that Jesus is the Lord. And listen to what he said. Here's his answer to why Jesus died and was resurrected. Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Let me ask you, who are the ungodly? We are. We are the ungodly. People don't like to hear that. People don't like to think about failure, personal failure. We don't like to be referred to as ungodly. It means we've done something wrong, but we are failures, aren't we? Yes. And we are ungodly. The Bible says so. It says that we're all sinners, Romans 3.23, for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. So we're all ungodly. We're all failures in some way. And yet God so loves us so much he sent his son. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So what did Jesus' death accomplish? What does his resurrection really truly mean? I believe the Bible answers those questions. So I want to try to help you understand that. This morning, I hope you have your outline ready, have a pen or a pencil ready. Number one, Jesus' death is our example for living. The way he lived is the way we're called to live as well. Look again with me, verse 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. We're created by God. For God. Did you know that? If you know that, say amen. You have a creator. He created you for himself. But because of our sin, we have always needed some way back to God. And when Jesus died, he took upon himself the penalty of our sins, of my sins. He took them upon himself. He suffered so that we would not have to. Think about that. That God loved us so much that he would die for us so that we would not have to suffer eternity in hell. This means if we're Jesus' followers, and I hope we all are, we should seek to live the way he lives. We should think the way he thinks. Look again, verse 21, he says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. That's living for him. That's living like him. That's letting him lead you. Now, obviously, all of us are working on this, right? Amen? I am too. I'm right there with everybody else. Maybe a step ahead in the sense of I've got to work harder. But we're all working on this, what these verses are saying right here. Jesus never sinned, but we have and still do. Now, we can strive, I think, to be more of a saint, don't you think? And less of a sinner. I think that's the idea here. And when we're insulted for some reason, for whatever reason, we need to learn how to not respond in anger, but with reason and with love. And since Jesus trusted God the Father, so can we. We can trust God. We know he's all-loving. We know he's all-powerful. We know that he can do all things. Jesus struggled going to the cross. Just read Matthew chapter 26. See for, see for yourself. He, he struggled with that whole idea. 
And he says to his Father in heaven in Matthew, not my will, but thy will. When we struggle with something in life, are we accepting God's will? Are we doing it the way Jesus did it? Or are we choosing to go our own way? And that is what the world wants to do today. And that's what the world wants to entice all of us to do, to go our own way and not to go God's way, follow Christ. Jesus accepted his Father's will and went to the cross as an example for us. And we're to follow his example. I like the fact that Paul really lived for himself for a long time, and then eventually he meets Christ and he, he comes to Christ and he just gives himself over completely. Read his letters, read about him in uh, Acts and Romans, and you'll see where he just gave himself over. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He said, for, God, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. Paul says, you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus because that's why he died and rose again. So that I would. So that I could have that opportunity and then I would do that. See, you're not saved just to be the same old person. You're saved to start walking the path behind Jesus. Is that easy? Not always. Sometimes it's easier than most. But um, it's doable. The resurrection shows us that Jesus, following Jesus, is worthy. He deserves it, and he requires it. Let me ask you, why build our lives, why build your life on the way a dead man lived if he never rose again? Even if he was a perfect man, even if he never failed or never failed badly, and he, but he never rose up from the grave, he, he would be an unworthy example. But he did die, as he said he would. He was in the grave three days. He rose again on the third, just as he told his disciples. So he is a worthy example to follow. And we should follow him. Number two, the second answer is that Jesus died so we could die to our sins. This is very important. Look at verse 24. Verse 24, Peter says, He bore he himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Sin is a spiritual disease. You realize that? And we've all got it. It's been passed down from generation to generation, and we've got it. We've got to deal with it. We've got to face up to it. We can't be like the world and just ignore it. We have to deal with our own sin. Now, friend, you deal with your sin. I'll deal with mine, and we'll help each other, okay? Right? And the world, don't expect the world to live the way you do until it comes to Jesus. Right? So don't be upset when people sin because that's what they do. The world does that. But sin is a spiritual disease that has real consequences. We see it all around our world, don't we? We see the consequence of sin constantly. And if I asked, if I asked you, or if I went out on Lawrence on Mastery, and if I asked anyone I met, would they want to be free from the power and consequences of their sin? I think they'd say yes. I think you would say yes, right? Amen? I know I would. I want to be free from the power of sin. I want to be free from the consequences of sin. Well, Jesus is the only one who can make that happen. He's the only one that can do that. He, he gave his life on the cross so that we could die to our sin. Not you die for mine, but me die for my own. And his resurrection is the proof of his ability to make us free from sin's consequences. And its influence and power. Listen to Hebrews 9.15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Meaning the new agreement. 
a new contract, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first. He died to set us free. He lives again to prove he can do that. And to emphasize exactly what he did on the cross when he died, he rose again. And Peter points back to Isaiah 53, verse 5, where Isaiah described what the Savior did for us, what Jesus really did on the cross for us. Isaiah talks about this in great length in Isaiah chapter 53. You should go read that chapter because it describes Christ and what he did 700 years before he came. Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. What did they do to his feet? to his hands, to, his, to his, uh, his hands and his wrists and his feet. They pierced him with nails. They stuck a spear in his side. They pierced him for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sins, our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Somebody had to pay the sin debt of the whole world. Somebody had to pay my sin debt. Either I was going to pay it or Jesus did. And if I accepted him, which I have, his payment covers my sin. Sets me free from its influence and power and consequences. Sets me free to live a life that Jesus wants me to live. So Jesus' resurrection is like an exclamation point. You ever write a paper and have to put an exclamation point to emphasize what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's what it's for. Well, that's what the resurrection is. It's an exclamation point. And by rising up from the dead, Jesus proved through our faith in him, we really can die to our old lives of sin. We can really give up those old things that hold us back, that trip us up, that frustrate us, that keep us from God, knowing God, experiencing God, living in his blessings. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I want that, don't you? Yeah, amen. And this is the promise that Jesus offers. It will simply trust in him and live for him. And then number three, point number three, Peter said, Jesus died to restore our relationship with God. Verse 25, for you are all like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's just say you never go to, never become a Christian. Who's the overseer of your soul? God is, because he created you. He made you. He made you what you are, except for being a sinner. He made you. He is the overseer of your soul. So you're going to go face him anyway. I'd rather go face God with Christ by my side than alone, wouldn't you? Amen. You know, but people have a hard time accepting the reality that they've broken their relationship with God. And we all do that. Now, we blame it on our parents or grandparents or, or whoever we want to. We make all these excuses up, but we personally are the ones at fault for breaking our relationship with God. We make excuses for the way we live. It's, it's, it's what I am. It's what I do. I do good things to make up for those bad things I did. I didn't do as bad a thing as this person over here, right? We say that, don't we? Yeah. You know what those are? They're excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And God doesn't buy into excuses. He buys into the truth. He buys into the reality of it all. But God will accept us if we ask Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. If we ask Jesus to forgive our sins and come into our lives. That's why Jesus came to this world. 
He just didn't come here to live for 30-some years and then die. He came here to save us because God doesn't want to condemn us. God wants to save us. Jesus didn't die so we could be comfortable. Now, if you're comfortable in life, that's a blessing. And you need to thank God for that, right? And most Americans, we're pretty comfortable, aren't we? So we, that's a blessing. We're blessed. Jesus didn't die to make us healthy and well. But if we are, those are additional blessings. And most Americans, for the most part, are fairly healthy and fairly well. Well off. So we're blessed. Amen? Yeah. There's nothing really wrong with that in a sense. Just don't lean on that. Lean on God. Jesus didn't die to make us superior to other people of other different colors or different races or where they come from. Because if we're, even if we are saved, we're no better than our neighbor. And why did Jesus say, love your neighbor as you love yourself? Right? So we're not, we, he didn't die to make us superior. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all the righteous to bring to, I'm sorry, for the righteous, for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's why he died. He died to leave us an example. He died to bring us to God. And sin is a big part of life. It cost Jesus his life on the cross. It, it, sin is bigger than most people realize. We want to minimize sin. We want to turn away from sin and ignore it. But sin is the root and the stem of every problem that plagues mankind today. Whether that's disease or war or crime or poverty or hopelessness, sin is always the root and the stem. Sin impacts every person's life. I don't care how isolated you live. I don't care if you don't have any technology. I don't, you have to interact with people sometime. Sin impacts every person. Every nation is affected by sin because every nation is full of people. It drives every culture. Just look around. We, we lament America, don't we? We lament our culture in America, how sinful it is. Wanting to kill children. Go to war constantly. But other cultures have sin too. Other cultures have just as much sin as we do. It's the biggest industry that drives throughout the whole world has ever seen. There's never been a greater industry than sin. Sin has separated every person, every single person who's ever lived from their creator. You and me. But Jesus died and he rose again so we could have a relationship with God. So that others around us could join us here and fill the empty seats and be part of this worship service and have a relationship with God, a relationship that can change our life and theirs too. That's why he came and died. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah was an incredibly blessed man. He was shown a vision of heaven. He got to hear the angels singing God's praises. That's also how he came to know he was a sinner. And he realized he needed someone to save him, someone to restore his relationship with God. So listen to what Isaiah said to God. Isaiah 64, verse 9, he said, he's speaking to God. He says, do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. That's how I know he was speaking to God. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Is there people you don't like in life? You be honest now. Is there people, raise your hand, that you just, you know, they irritate you. They bug you. Yeah. They're God's people too. God created them. We need to learn to remember that. Very seldom did God or did Jesus ever get angry at people. He got angry at religious people, but he very seldom got angry at sinners. Why? Because he knew they were sinners. Even when they disrespected him or 
or were very uh, callous about him, he still loved them. That's something. He's, there's, because we're all God's people. We all belong to God. He is the commander who calls us to attention. He is the potter who forms the clay that we are. We are all measured by him, by his standard, and we all fall short of it. And we all have a decision to make in this life. Every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. It doesn't matter how you got to this place or what you're doing. What matters is this decision that you have to make. And there won't be another chance after this life is over. When your life is done, those chances are gone. So your chance in life to know God and to follow him is now. The decision is simple. Will you follow Jesus Christ or will you not? It's that simple. I can't make it any more simple than that. And once you make that decision to follow Jesus, friends, there's no going backwards. There's only going forward. You might go slow for a while, then you might pick up speed. But there's only going forward. There's no going back. Jesus once said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's no one who... You cannot just simply say, Jesus, I love you, I want you to forgive me, and then live the old life. That's not following Jesus. That's not salvation. He will change you. 1 Corinthians 5.17, any man being Christ, he's a new creation. Make that decision to follow Jesus. Make it today. Make it now before you leave, and don't ever look back. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and get ready to sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe today God's been speaking to you. Maybe he's been speaking to you for some time. He's calling you to follow Christ, to give your life to Jesus, ask him to forgive you of your sins. Maybe he wants you to join the church family and be part of his kingdom work here. Maybe he just wants you to come up and just pray with somebody. I'll be here. You let God speak and you follow him. Make that decision to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, help us to make that decision.